Good morning, everyone. For those of you who I haven't been able to meet either virtually or in person yet, my name is Stephanie and I am a ministry intern here at Cornerstone. I currently serve as a member of the Young Adult Core team, so if you are a recent college graduate, working professional, or graduate student, I would love to get to know you and connect with you. Please email me and the Young Adult Core team, and I really do look forward to hearing from you and learning more about why you're in Boston and what brings you to Cornerstone. So this morning, it is my honor and my privilege to share God's word with you all. And I'm excited to partner with him in what he is doing in us and through us this morning. We've been going through a sermon series titled Joy in the Journey and looking at the book of Philippians. And as we've talked about in previous sermons, the Apostle Paul describes the Christian life to the church in Philippi not as a wandering, but as a journey with a particular destination and purpose. In the passage that June read for us today, the Apostle Paul gives his life as an example in order to share with the church what kind of mindset they are to have while they're on the journey. Last week, Daniel talked about the importance of the start of the journey. And today, our passage focuses on how the destination motivates us to keep going in our faith. The Apostle Paul instructs us to press on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. He states, keep on going on the journey and keep pursuing Jesus so that you may continually grow in your knowledge of him. And the knowledge that Paul is talking about here is not just to know about Jesus through head knowledge, but to know him like you would a friend, a parent, or a spouse. And like a friend, a spouse, or a parent, we grow in knowledge of Jesus by deepening our experience and our intimacy with him. I currently work as a clinical intern at a psychiatric hospital, and I spend a lot of time working with people and their behaviors. We work on behaviors that they want to stop, but also on developing helpful new behaviors. In fact, the best way to stop a negative behavior is to replace it with a new positive one. And one concept that we talk about in order to help my clients to develop positive behaviors is that behind every behavior is a reinforcer or a motivator. So in other words, the behaviors that we engage in regularly, they often stick with us because they offer us something positive and meaningful that keeps on reinforcing that behavior. The Apostle Paul, he wants to keep pursuing Jesus because he sees that there is something incredibly valuable and incredibly meaningful about knowing him. And so he will orient his whole life towards growing to be more like and more in tune with Jesus, persevering through the journey, focused on the goal. And this is not a statement that he makes casually. When the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, he had lost nearly everything. 
He was in prison having lost his freedom and facing the very real possibility of losing his life because of what he believed. But even so, what he has found in Jesus is worth all that he had lost. And even his sufferings cannot distract him from the goal. In Jesus, he finds an incredibly powerful and incredibly meaningful motivator. This passage serves as a word of encouragement to us on the journey. Press on to know Jesus. Press on because he is worth knowing and press on because he is the goal. So first we are encouraged to press on to know Jesus because he is worth knowing. Going back to the passage, the Apostle Paul tells the Philippians, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. The words used for gain and loss are actually words associated with accounting or business. So we can think of gains and losses like revenues and expenses. So if we're looking at a balance sheet because of Christ, Paul has taken all of the things previously in the revenue column and has moved them all to the expenses column. And though he had been seemingly making a substantial profit due, his, due to his gains, upon reevaluation, he realizes that he actually had a negative sum. And then to take it further, he puts Jesus in the revenues column. And the profits are so much more than what he had before. What Paul realizes and what he is saying to us is this. If it doesn't lead to knowing Jesus, then it's not worthwhile. In fact, his previous gains are loss, or using accounting language again, liabilities that subtract from his overall profit. More colloquially, compared to knowing Jesus, everything is as valuable and useful as trash. And if that feels harsh, it's meant to. That's how he means it in the Greek. In the passage, Paul states that Jesus is worth knowing far above all other things. And he shares with us two reasons why. The first reason that Jesus is worth knowing is that because through him, we receive righteousness. So righteousness is a word that we hear a lot in church, but we might not encounter in our day to day. So righteousness in scripture is often used in a legal or judicial context. And so to be righteous is like to be innocent um, or declared innocent rather than guilty. And what makes someone innocent or guilty is how we live up to the standards of morality, virtue, and conduct in how we love and honor God and how we love and honor people. And ultimately, these standards are based on God's own perfect character and holiness. In other words, God is the standard of righteousness. And if we have lived up to the standard, then we are declared righteous 
and declared worthy and accepted by God. The gains that the Apostle Paul mentions in verse 7 were the means by which he believed that he could receive righteousness and be declared innocent before God. He was a Hebrew, the ethnic people of God, and he was a Pharisee, a member of an important religious sect. He knew the ins and outs of scripture and was committed to upholding all of God's commandments. These were Paul's credentials that gave him confidence in the fact that he was righteous and he could be worthy of being accepted by God on his own merit. But when Paul encounters Jesus, his credentials and his gains, they pale in comparison because he sees the perfect nature and perfect character of God in Jesus and finds that he is far from it. Paul was judging himself based on a different standard completely, a lesser one based on his ideas of righteousness that he could attain and give to God. However, not only is God the standard of righteousness, God is also the means by which we receive righteousness. This is the truth that causes Paul to reevaluate every gain and shift them over to the lost column. Righteousness is not something to be worked for and shown to God like a report card. It's a gift given freely through knowing and trusting in Jesus. Fleming Rutledge, an American priest and author, shared this in a sermon. She said, it sounds as if sainthood is a future condition that I, we, you, can attain someday if we just try hard enough. But this is not at all what our scriptures tell us. It is the purpose of God that is primary, not what we have made up our minds to do. The message that says if we work hard enough, if we are good enough, kind enough, anything enough, is at worst impossible and at best exhausting. And it's not biblical. How many of us have tried to muscle our way into perfection or work our way towards love and acceptance? It's exhausting. It's the opposite of joy. But scripture tells us that there is nothing we can do to make us righteous. But we don't despair because it also tells us that God has provided the way for us to be. It tells us that God is God and we are not. And we don't have to be. We're not required to be. What God requires is that we depend and trust in him. And this is the good news. And whether you've heard it all your life or just once before, we need to keep hearing and understanding this every day. We've been talking about joy in this series, and this is the joy in the journey. It means that God will not measure us by our worst, nor will he by our best. And we can let go of standards that are not God's standards. And we can stop relying on means to his approval and his acceptance and his love that are not Christ. This is the joy of knowing Jesus. And this is why Paul says that it is worth so much more to know Christ 
than to depend on his own ability to uphold God's commands. Knowing Jesus means that we let him define who we are instead of our own accomplishments and characters. We don't listen to the voice in our head or the voices of others, but we listen to the voice of Jesus and what he thinks of us. It means that we build our lives on Jesus who is worthy and even throw away like useless trash our own pride, or even our own despair in our standards, our perfection, and our competence. Jesus is worth knowing because through him we receive freely the righteousness of God, and we can depend on God and not ourselves. So Paul states that Jesus is worth knowing far above all other things because through him we receive righteousness, And second, Jesus is worth knowing because through him we attain the resurrection from the dead. And resurrection is another one of those words that we don't hear often in the church um, and maybe nowhere else. One way of understanding the um, resurrection from the dead is that we have a present hope for a certain future. And this future is made evident in the fact that Jesus did not just die, but he also rose from the dead. The resurrection is the declaration that God is who he says he is, and he is sovereign over all things, even death. And this has significance not only in the future, but also today. Just as we receive Jesus' righteousness, when we know Jesus and we, are this, we also are beneficiaries of the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The Apostle Paul, he reflects on the resurrection of the dead as he is in prison. And he says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. So the word participation is related to the word that we use for community or communion. When we experience suffering for the sake of Jesus, we know Jesus better because we understand more of his experience empathetically, as well as his heart as he endured suffering for our sake. Therefore, suffering becomes something personal and a shared experience in our relationship with Jesus. However, we not only share in his suffering, but we also share in the result. And it's for this reason that though the Apostle Paul had lost everything, he still rejoiced in the name of Jesus. Paul doesn't dismiss the hardship of suffering, but he realizes the truth that surpasses present um, facts or present circumstances. That is, in knowing Jesus, our lives and even our suffering will not lead to a pointless end. And so not only do we not depend on what we gain, but also when called to choose Jesus or anything else, we are willing to choose Jesus and suffer the loss of these things. Though we may not be imprisoned for our faith as Paul was, we also might suffer the losses of things that are important to us because of Jesus. And for some of us, it's the thought of losing these things that gets in the way of us living for him. 
For example, maybe you feel convicted to engage in doing justice because you know that God is a God of justice. But when you think about what's required, you feel discouraged or scared. It doesn't seem that what you do matters or things just look like they're getting worse and worse. And I admit that I feel like that sometimes and that I get discouraged these days too. Others of you may feel like it's too costly. You may face criticism or the judgments from others, or it feels like it just calls for too much out of your life, whether it's your time, comfort, or even shaping your career or changing how you raise your family. And you might have to interact with people that you feel uncomfortable with or hear opinions that you don't agree with. These thoughts don't only come in our pursuit of justice, but as we live out our faith in other ways. But when we understand the heart of Jesus, who is willing to endure suffering and ultimately death for the sake of God and for the sake of the world, then we have a framework for how to view our lives and the things that we are so afraid to lose. Sangyan Lee, an author and a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary, explains the significance of the resurrection like this. He says, The coming of the world where death will be no more for human beings is yet in the future. In the meantime, those who are united with Christ live from Christ's resurrection, that is, with a hope and yearning for the future, and an ever-increasing resistance and protest against the powers of death and injustice that still remain in the world. The resurrection gives us the courage to face our fears of loss and discomfort. It challenges us to put aside our own interests, comforts, and security to do the things that we know God is calling us to do. And it's this hope that gives us fuel for the journey when we're discouraged or scared because we know that we're participating in a process that has a sure and glorious end, when God's love will complete its process in making the world new. And so it's in participating that we know Jesus, and it's in sacrificing that we more know, that we more know more deeply and experientially who Jesus is and what he's capable of. Jesus is worth knowing because when we know him, we are set free to live in the ways that God calls us to. And knowing Jesus doesn't mean that we just know him once or every once in a while, but every day. I had a client this week say to me, I have a ton of friends and they all think they're close to me, but I don't feel the same way about them. They don't really know me. Brutal, right? Especially if you're one of those friends. But I think some of us may be able to relate to what we said because we recognize that really knowing someone requires a closeness as well as an effort to build trust and to prioritize them above others and to take the time to really learn the intricacies of a person. We get to know someone by pressing in or making the effort to get to know them. And it's the same with Jesus. 
In order to know him, we take the time to develop a daily growing relationship with God. In order to learn about Jesus and know him, we take these truths that he is our righteousness and he is our future. And we commit to exemplifying them in our minds, our relationships, and our lives. We hear his voice and we understand his character through the word and by the spirit. And we apply them. We apply them to how we think, behave, and treat others every day. And so we press on to know Jesus because we know he is worth living and worth knowing. I apologize. Whether you have been a Christian all of your life or today is your first day hearing of Jesus, there is more to be known about him. If Jesus is the goal and we're still here on earth, then that means that there is still more ground to be covered. So we press on toward the goal. We press on to know Jesus because he is the goal. In order to describe what it means to press on, Paul uses the image of a runner to describe the Christian life. If you've ever run a race or a marathon before, you might know firsthand that it's the goal or the finish line that gives you the strength to go forward. And actually, when you start to pay attention to your position in the race compared to others, or the pain in your legs and your chest, you're more prone to stumble or slow down or get discouraged. And what this means in terms of our faith is that we also have to actively fight to keep Jesus in mind as our goal. We may become distracted by other pursuits or discouraged by our progress, either compared to others or because it's just getting difficult to keep following Jesus. But throughout the journey, we press on and we choose to be motivated by what we know is waiting for us at the end. When you think about the things that direct your attention and what you look to for joy and hope, what are those things? What is your goal? Is it Jesus or is it something else? And how are you getting to your goal? Are you discouraged? Are you running and looking ahead? When we make Jesus the goal of our life, we press into what we know to be true about Jesus, and we fight to orient our whole lives to be more like him and to live by his example. And this is hard. When you think about a race or a marathon, there is so much effort and so much strain given for the sake of the joy of the goal. For those who know the joy of knowing Jesus and us who await the future joy of being further united to him, we acknowledge that it's hard, but we press into knowing Jesus. Today, the ways that we associate with living out our faith may feel different, even more challenging. You might long for the ways that you've worshipped or engaged with community in the past, or you might be feeling uncomfortably challenged, realizing that there are areas of your life where your faith had little application, but you didn't really have to think about it before. 
But the fact that our circumstances have changed and the ways we usually do things are different doesn't mean that we press pause on engaging. We press on by continuing to apply the truths of who Jesus is to our lives. This means that in our relationships with people, we seek to love sacrificially, even if we don't get credit for it or we're not loved back in the way we want to. It means that when we're faced with a decision in our career or a major life decision, we take the time to evaluate which decision leads to glorifying Jesus and which decision leads to glorifying ourselves. And we press on by choosing Jesus and putting aside the lesser glory, such as status, money, prestige, belonging, or comfort. When our life is not heading the way that we planned or we feel like a failure, we press on by doing our best with what we're called to in the moment and have faith in Jesus for the rest. And we're kinder to ourselves for it because he has been kind to us. We press on by finding ways to worship God even when we're on our own and even when the circumstances just don't seem to call for it or we're not getting much out of it because we understand that worship is for God and His pleasure and He is always worthy of worship. We press on by committing to do what we know Jesus is committed to even if it's hard or our efforts seem imperfect to us where we stumble along the way. To be Christian is not a passive identity. It's an active way of life. It is an enduring commitment to keep applying the truths of who Jesus is to our lives and to walk with him daily. I can't get over the context in which Paul wrote this letter. He was in prison separated from his community with only the company of his enemies. And the situation was not ideal by any means or probably not what he preferred, but he doesn't consider that his goal has changed. He still presses on to know Jesus by the means available to him. And it's not because he was this awesome person who was stronger than everyone. It's because he depended on Jesus and the Spirit daily in order to do so. So let's keep going. Let's press on to know Jesus. Be encouraged in your daily life as the Apostle Paul was by the reminder that Jesus is where our hope is found. And Jesus is our joy and our courage. And so he is worthy of our attention and our efforts to get to know him and to spend time with him and to live and learn by his example. Will you bow in prayer with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the ways that you have already made yourself known to us. Lord, we thank you that through you and you alone we receive righteousness and that we have assurance of a future glory and a future hope that is coming and that is here. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to participate with you in your mission in making the world new and defeating death and injustice in this world. Lord, for those of us who may be feeling discouraged or for those of us who may feel shackled by the, the 
standards of perfection that we've placed on ourselves, would you come with us and teach us how to rejoice in you? Would you be our strength? Would you be our encourager and our comforter, our counselor, our motivator? Would you remind us daily through your word, through other believers in our community, and by, by the world and what we see in it, that you are here with us, and that just as we are committing, committed to knowing you, Lord, you are committed to knowing and loving us. So we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.